Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Thanks for tuning in. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time to download and listen to this episode. Now, I'm not going to lie. Tonight's episode is ghost-heavy. It's sort of by design, but actually by accident. I have a huge log of calls. I probably have 200 calls I still have to go through, so if yours hasn't been played... Don't worry, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Everything gets played. But there happens to be a folder just labeled Ghost, and it's chock full of stories. So for this episode, I thought I'd clean that out a little bit. I'm going to sprinkle in a few fringe things here and there, but for the most part, tonight's episode is going to be ghost-heavy. But before we get on to that, I have two things I need to bring up. One, my fiancé and I are taking a trip to Sequoia National Park early next week. And if everything goes as planned... I'm going to do a nighttime Bigfoot investigation while I'm there. So, for you Patreon folks, look forward to that when I get back. Uh, A.K.A. whenever I have time to actually sit down and edit it, which has become quite a problem lately. Uh, And the second thing I want to bring up is that I'm toying around with the idea of holding a live show uh, somewhere in the western United States. And as of right now, the front runner is Denver, Colorado. And I know that we've done some polling on Facebook, but uh, I wanted to reach out to a wider audience. I wanted to reach out to everyone listening. Uh, If you're in the Denver area and would be interested in attending a live show, um, I'm I'm assuming it's probably going to be a couple bucks a person, mostly just to pay for my hotel and flight. If it's something you're interested in and something you think you would attend, just shoot me a quick email or, uh, you know, hop on Facebook and just say, hey, I would go to the Denver thing. If the numbers are big enough, I'll try to put something together. Now, I chose Denver. Uh, One, I love the city uh, and haven't been there in quite a while. And two, I have a very good friend that owns a bar there that uh, is also, it's not cryptid-themed, but it's definitely weirdo-themed. So I think it would be a good place to do that. Uh, But again, I need the numbers ahead of time. So uh, if you're interested, hit me up. Enough of all that. We're going to dive right into tonight's program. Our first call comes to us from Logan in the state of Michigan. Hi, Derek. I am Logan from Michigan. I am nine years old, and I have a story to tell about a ghost I saw on my way home from the bus stop. So months ago, I I rode the bus home, and I was walking home. Then a car drove super fast right by me and then slowed down as soon as it got by me, and there was nobody in the car. It then started speeding up and parked in somebody's driveway, 
then came out of there and drove super fast right by me, but then slowed down again when came near me. And it opened its window, and it was a really, it was just a dark person sitting right there. Then it just drove right past me and parked in somebody's driveway again. And then when I got to that driveway, it wasn't there anymore. So that's my story. I hope you can use it and keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Logan, for taking the time to call in. There's a few things here I want to touch on. Uh, The first is that, Logan, you should always be aware of your surroundings. Not only for paranormal reasons, but for strangers and dangers and other things like that. So I think it's very good that uh, you were aware of your surroundings and you were aware of a vehicle acting strangely in your neighborhood. That's something you should definitely discuss with your parents and uh, maybe even have a plan in place uh, if there is some sort of quote-unquote stranger danger. Now, as for the paranormal side of all this, we've had several ghost car stories submitted uh, to the program, and I have a few that I've yet to play. Uh, and there's definitely something strange about it. And one thing we should definitely be aware of is the speed of a vehicle. Uh, it may seem like something disappears quite quickly, but if it's doing 80 to 90 miles an hour, uh, it certainly wouldn't take very long for that vehicle to go out of sight. That may be a quick explanation as to how something that large manages to simply disappear. Now, this call reminded me of something uh, I saw several years ago. There is a YouTube video out of Garden City, Georgia, that was taken back in the early 2000s of a police chase. Now, an officer chases this late 80s model car uh, through the streets of Garden City, only to have it simply disappear before the camera's eyes. Everything was caught on dash cam, and uh, this video has made its rounds. There's not really any audio to play, but I will link to it in the show notes for tonight's episode. Uh, I highly recommend everybody go check that out if you're not aware of this particular case. Thank you again, Logan, for calling in, and I especially appreciate you taking the time to listen. Now our next call comes to us from our neighbors to the north. The following is Amy's call from Canada. Hi there, my name is Amy. I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. Big fan of the podcast, and I actually found while listening to it a bit of an identification for something that I saw uh, many years ago, and after talking about it in the Facebook group, I thought that I should give you a call. So when I was a teenager, uh, and I would have been about 16, so this is 13 years ago, I brought my then puppy with me everywhere that I would go, and I was at a sleepover at a friend's house when I was having some trouble sleeping and got up to use the washroom in the middle of the night thinking, okay, maybe this will make it so that I can go to bed. My puppy had followed me and was sitting by the door while I was washing my hands. I heard her start to whimper and figured maybe she just needed to go outside. After all, she was about three months old. That would have been normal. I opened the door and she kind of sprinted around the corner and started to growl. I ran after her and came kind of straight face to face with a figure that I would describe as a male figure. And though not a complete shadow or a dark mass, he looked like a tall man that, even though my brain was kind of reeling, I knew wasn't really there, if that makes any sense. Um, His eyes were pitch black and he had a wide, big hat on. And though I'm sure he was wearing clothes, I was scared I didn't really take stock of what he was wearing I just came face to face with him grabbed the dog and booked it away back to my friend's room where I was staying 
And I told myself that I must have imagined it. That wasn't real. I would have known if there was a man in the basement. And he didn't seem to be a real man. So I, I kind of brushed it off and, and eventually went to sleep. I didn't really think too much about it until about last year. So um, again, this is maybe 12 years later. And I was catching up with that same friend and joking about my dog being a ghost hunter. Like, haha, you know, she growled at that man in your basement. And I told her the story and my friend goes a little bit still. And you can tell that she's quite alarmed by the story I'm telling. She then blurts out, I've seen that same man. And she starts telling me a few stories from her childhood and, you know, leading up to the same time when I was a teenager. And some of those being her seeing him with the same description, some of those things being feeling him as his presence or, or even things being thrown uh, within her bedroom. And so, you know, that kind of validated what I had seen as it felt like we had seen the same thing. Listening to the podcast, we hear so much about the hat men. And the only thing is that that doesn't quite match for me is that often they're described as not having a face. And that's what I remember uh, from this man is he definitely had a face, though he had kind of black pits where he had eyes. I still don't know what I saw that night. I've tried to look on the Internet and haven't found exactly the same description. Uh, If it was a hat man, a spirit or something else, I do know that my friend saw him. And now that my dog is a senior still to this day, when she growls at something, I kind of jump to the worst. (laughs) Hope that it isn't a ghost or something along those lines. That's, uh, that's my encounter. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Big fan again, and thank you so much for getting to uh, share all our stories on the podcast. And thank you, Amy, for calling in. Now, I suppose, if you're going to see a hat man or a shadow figure of any kind, there's no better place to see it than someone else's house rather than your own. Uh, I feel bad for your friend who has to continue living there, knowing that there's some sort of strange entity in her basement just hanging out down there. Uh, I should also note that uh, the fact that the friend did see something as well and could validate Amy's sighting definitely goes a long way. Uh, I can only imagine the relief one would get knowing that someone else saw the same quote-unquote crazy thing that they claimed to see. So in Amy's case, it certainly is uh, somewhat helpful to validate her experience. Uh, Yeah, these hat men, I don't know what they are, but man, they're creepy and and they seem to pop up a lot. I definitely have a handful more Hat Man stories to play over the next couple months, so uh, stay tuned for those. Thank you again, Amy, for taking the time to share that. Our next call comes to us anonymously from the state of Utah. Hi, Derek. I just barely found your podcast and binge-watching it. I mean, listening to it while I've been at work for probably the last two weeks now. Um, a lot of interesting stuffs on there, so I figured I'd call and uh, leave my little story. I've actually had a lot of experiences in my life. It started back probably when I was seven years old. I'm 27 years old now, just barely turned 27 yesterday on June 9th. Yeah, one of my very first experiences, um, I'll actually give you a little two of them. So it started back when I was probably a little after seven, uh, probably 10. I was across the street. I live in Utah, Salt Lake City. Across the street from my house, I had neighborhood kids growing up with. So I was over there playing. We were skateboarding, rollerblading, you know, just what kids do. There was three of us. And I remember specifically being in the garage and just had a weird feeling that night. Just just something felt just 
at, at the time, I didn't realize what it was, but now I understand just the energy was off, the vibes were off, just something was in the air, but I couldn't really place it. And I just kept looking out for something. And then when my friends were in their garage and I was just barely outside of the garage, uh, I saw a, a girl around my age, again, I was around 10 or 11. She was in a white nightgown or dress, I couldn't really tell. Um, but she was walking and it's, it, it's hard to give the right picture without seeing how our yards were set up, but there was no fence to their yard and a chain link fence right to their neighbors. And I saw her walking past the chain link fence to their driveway. And she looked really wet, like head to toe wet, and she looked like distraught. So I was going out to see if she was okay, if she needed any help. She walks past the driveway, but they had a minivan type car, like an SUV in their driveway. When she crossed the driveway and passed the SUV, she never came out the other side of it. And I was waiting. I was I was waiting there to make sure she was okay, see if I, I, I was going to get my parents, uh, my friend's parents to run out um, to see, to talk to her, but she never came out the other side of the driveway. And there was a wet spot. I remember that very specifically because it confused me. There was a wet spot right behind the minivan or the SUV. Um, I asked my friends if they saw anybody. They didn't. It, it was only me that saw it. And that, that's not abnormal. I mean, I, I usually see things whenever I have any experiences. Very rarely there's other people around or other people paying attention. A little bit after that, I feel like these two correspond. I'm not sure, though. But a little bit after that, I was at my neighbor's house, a different neighbor. I came home pretty late. And this is this is probably about a year later, um, if that. And I was I was coming home. I was playing with my dog outside before I officially went inside. And it was it was getting late. It was it was just dusk. The sun just barely went down in the summer, so probably eight or nine. And I was playing with my dog. And we were we were playing always fetch. I, I was but a lot. And then I heard a little girl's voice say meow meow help me um coming from some part of my neighborhood i, I there was nobody around but the, the voice was clear as day and it just kept repeating meow meow help me meow meow help me there was probably a good minute or two break between them and my dog started reacting too that's what caught my attention because a lot of times you know you're a kid you're really you don't really think oh my dog started acting weird when I started paying attention to it, and it just kept, kept just kept happening. Meow, meow, help me. To the point where I honestly thought it was like the neighborhood, like some one of the neighborhood kids that was just playing a joke. So I even yelled out his name, saying, "Hey, I know it's you. Ha ha! You can't fool me. I know it's you. You can come out now." Right when I said that, the meow, meow, help me came from my neighbor's house, right behind the uh, the fence. And then I looked, and then within ten seconds, it came from behind me, from my front door to my house. And then within again another five seconds, it came from the other side of my yard. And then after that, it came right in front of me again. At that point, I realized it wasn't my neighborhood friend. And I, I mean, at first I still kind of thought it was, but that's when I started becoming terrified. After that, I heard I, I heard a cat meow a few times. Then I heard the voice say, "Hey, come here, kitty, kitty." And then again, the silence. And it. Because again, I, I've had a, before this happened, I had at least one or two other experiences and I was heavily into the paranormal my parents. Always, I listened to Coast to Coast uh, with Art Bell when I was younger. I always, I was very interested in the paranormal at a young, young age. Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Chupacabra, alien spirits, 
you name it, I was obsessed with it. Um, so that's why I was really intrigued with this and terrified at the same time. Once I let my dog in, he bolted in, I stayed out there, and it, it started getting more faint, but it was still very clear, meow, meow, help me, a little girl. And the way my house is set up, I can see right down a street to my neighborhood, just right down it. And so I was looking down there, and the, the voice started, like, fading away to go down there, and I just I just sat there, uh, flabbergasted, really, at what I just experienced. Because honestly, when you hear something like meow, meow, help me, you feel like you're going crazy. And if it wasn't for my dog reacting, I still to this day probably thought I was going crazy and thought I heard something. Um, but it started fading away and it got fainter and fainter till you could barely hear it. It was just like a meow, meow, help me, just barely. Um, and then it was silent for probably a good two minutes and I just stood there, uh, speechless, not really knowing what was going on. And then it it came again one more time but this form, and this, in this, in this case, it was a form of a yell. It was very angry, and it it felt like it was right in front of my face, like a parent yelling at you or a, or a friend yelling at you right in your face, and it was just loud, meow, meow, help me. And then at that point, I had enough, and I turned and I ran right inside. I even tripped up the stairs. My mom asked me what was wrong. Um, I didn't know what to say, so I didn't really talk about it at first. But. Yeah, I, I still to this day not really sure what it was, and I still too do think that the the little girl that I saw walking down the road and that do correspond in some way. Now I have I haven't looked up the history of my location, uh, but I have asked a lot of people that lived in my neighborhood if they experienced anything, and my surrounding houses actually have had a lot of experiences as well. One of my neighbors experienced hangers flying out of his closet at him. Another one of my neighbors actually experienced uh, what it sounded like somebody opening up their door and slamming it and running around their upstairs when they were the only one home when their uh, dad was at work. Again, remind, remind you, this was back when I was around 10 to 12, 13 years old that I experienced all of these. But that is my story for this time. Um, again, I've been experiencing something, uh, things like this for the good 10 plus years. I've actually had people seriously question if I was a medium. Uh, or not and honestly i don't know i don't know how you would find something like that out um i've experienced a lot of things i have spoken with a lot of paranormal things uh spirits wise but i feel like it's spirits it could be anything um but i've had a lot of responses i've even conned a lot of evps so again uh i appreciate you and your podcast this is the best podcast that anything i've really listened to in a long time i'm binging it i'm on season three season four right now and i'm just catching up so i hope this is uh something that you'll enjoy that i would love to hear your explanation of this and again i'll be definitely calling and leaving more of my experiences because this is a great uh, outlet to say to you can actually finally speak to people that actually understand a somewhat experience and a logical explanation i should also imagine uh, mention that i am a skeptic i've experienced things for 10 plus years but because i've experienced so many things i feel like that's made me more of a skeptic uh because so, I don't know, I, I don't know if that makes sense. But again, I'm just rambling. So you have a good one. Um, again, I will reach back out with more stories. And I hope you have a great day. Uh, keep killing the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, caller, for that story. Now, <laughs> there's a lot to unravel here. But let's start off with the strange voice. Uh, my first thought was that it was like a talking toy of some sort. Uh, I know just about everyone with kids has had that experience where they hear a voice... Uh, from an empty room only to find out that it's some electronic toy that uh, either the batteries are going dead, causing it to malfunction, or 
you know, the arm is held in the wrong place, or something that makes the audible sound actually triggered. Uh, but one problem I have with this is that, uh, well, obviously, there's a yell. There's a yell in, in the caller's face. And if it was a toy, uh, it certainly wouldn't it certainly wouldn't be possible. Now, the other theory that I had was that uh, maybe somebody was on the other side of a fence playing a game, or maybe a couple kids were playing a game with a kitten or something like that. But again, that yell also kind of takes that theory out of uh, contention there. The other thing I will say is that, <laughs> and I say this a lot, and I kind of just referenced it with Amy's call uh, previously, but any time that your pets also experience uh, something you're experiencing, that certainly goes a long way to help validate the experience that, uh, that the person's reporting. Because you certainly can't trick a dog or a cat uh, and, you know, say, hey, look over in the corner, there's a ghost, and then you get them to turn their head. Uh, it, it simply doesn't work that way. So, you know, if they react to something, then obviously there is something audible for them to pick up on. My last theory here, and this one doesn't hold a lot of water either, but I think it's interesting to uh, ponder the question. Is this possibly an earworm? Uh, maybe the caller had heard something the day prior or earlier that day uh, from a TV show or, again, a toy, something like that. So he had the phrase, meow, meow, help me, stuck in his head. And it was so ingrained that it he almost imagined it audibly. And uh, it kind of manifests its way that way. Now, like I said, it doesn't hold a lot of water. It certainly doesn't explain the yell he heard at the end. Uh, but I, I thought it was an interesting theory that could help explain, if not this this particular call, perhaps something down the line. And, and the last two things I want to mention here about the call is that uh, I want to first thank you so much for the kind words about the program. I definitely work very hard uh, on the show, and I truly appreciate uh, when other people truly appreciate the show. So thank you for that. And my last thing, and, and this is something I say on every call, but research the area. Uh, go to your library, go to your newspaper, uh, go online, go somewhere and try to find out uh, what was there before your home was there. And being that it's Salt Lake City, I'm wondering if maybe this has something to do with the Mormon pilgrimage or uh, maybe Native American or something like that. So I'm definitely interested in uh, hearing that history. Uh, yeah, that's like I said, it's a lot to unravel, but uh, those are my thoughts. So uh, thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share that. Now our next story. This one. <laughs> this is a good one. And I've been sitting on this one for quite some time, waiting for the perfect time to play it. And uh, something about today just seems right to me. So the following call is John's call from Rhode Island. Hello, Mr. Derrick. I'm sorry it's taking me so long to call you back, but I just heard a call from Rhode Island, and uh, it prompted me to uh, give you a ring. But this is uh, John from Rhode Island. Um, I called, um, I think it was during one of your season finales and talked about the uh, vampire lore here in Rhode Island. Um, and I did try to call uh, about an experience that I had had, uh, but I couldn't get through. Um, considerable amount of time has passed since then, and uh, it just kind of slipped my mind until now. Um, so I'm uh, in a parking lot. And uh, listening to your podcast, and I just said, hey, what the hell? I'll call him now. Um, so here it is. Um, lived in West Greenwich, Rhode Island, uh, about 11, 10 years old. Uh, I was a very nervous, very scared kid. Um, 
not sure why. I just was. It was a very, very timid kid. Um, I really didn't sleep that well. But um, I would basically kind of not sleep all night, wait for my dad to go to work in the morning. He left pretty early, I want to say about 6 a.m. Uh, at which point I would grab a stuffed animal, another, you know, uh, pretty immature thing to do as an 11-year-old, uh, sleep with stuffed animals. <laughs> but um, I, you know, grab a stuffed animal and run and jump in bed with my mom and, and, and sleep for a couple hours before school started. Uh, so this was, you know, I want to say early September, early October, because it was broad daylight uh, at this time, and it was, you know, about 6 a.m., the sun was streaming through the windows. Um, and I had done this about 100 times, Derek. Uh, this was nothing new. You know, this was my routine. Every morning I just woke up, grabbed a stuffed animal, jumped in bed in my dad's spot, and uh, slept for a couple of hours next to my mom. But this particular morning, I was climbed into bed and you know I was climbing under the covers and I knew immediately something was wrong I was in kind of like a push-up position because I sleep on my stomach and uh, you know I was just about to lay down and I could feel that there was something in the room and I knew exactly where it was it wasn't like I just felt the presence I felt that there was something in the uh, left-hand corner of the room I just knew it was there, and I just kind of flipped over on my back, you know, just kind of sitting up, pressed up on my hands, <clears throat> and there in the corner of the room was what I can only describe to be a type of gremlin. Um, it was the most bizarre thing, and to this day, I have never heard anyone talk about it on a podcast, and I've listened to every paranormal podcast there is possibly out there. Um, it was about three and a half feet tall. It had alligatorish, iguana-ish skin, dark green, brown to the back, forming to green, uh, yellow to the front, to a white pot belly. And this thing was this thing was fat. It had a pot belly. It had big, fat, chubby knees. It had like fat, chubby elbows. I mean, it was just a real fat, stocky demon gremlin-looking thing. And it had a head the shape of a football, a sideways football. And it had ears like a pig. Like, it just kind of flanged out. And they were kind of flopped at the end. And its eyes were perfect circles, bright, bright yellow. But they were cat's eyes, so they had that black slit down the middle. So perfectly circular cat's eyes. And, and it just stood there staring at me. And its its head was, I, I mean, it had to be a foot and a half long. Its head was almost as big as its body. I, I mean, half the size, anyway. And it had a mouth, and, and it had lips, kind of like an iguana has lips, uh, kind of undefined, but they're there. <clears throat> and um, its lips were parted ever so slightly to where you could see that it had tons and tons and tons and tons of very, very small, very, very sharp teeth. And... Um, I did naturally what anybody would do, and I buried my head in the pillow. I was like, no way this thing is here. No way I just saw that. Absolutely not. And I buried my head in the pillow for about 10 seconds. I turn back around, Derek. It is still there. It's still there. Except this time, it looks at me, 
and it smiles just ever so slightly to where I can see more of its sharp, sharp, pointy teeth. And it raises its hand at the elbow, and it begins to open and close its hand like it's waving at me. And it's now smiling and waving at me. And fight or flight kicks in. Now, I'm a very scared, very timid boy, but the way this thing was uh, standing, it, it cut off my exit. I, I would have had to hop over my mom and run out of the room or either run past it, and I wasn't about to do that. So I chose fight, and the only fight I had in me was to throw my stuffed animal at it. And I did. I, I, I had the stuffed alligator, and I, I hauled off, and I just whipped it at this thing. And you know when you throw something like a football, you, you glance for a second at the object you're throwing just to make sure that you're kind of releasing it at the right time to hit its mark. And as I glanced away from this thing for like, a, I don't know, a one sixty-fourth of a second, it disappeared and the alligator just hit the wall. The stuffed alligator just hit the wall and this thing was gone. But Derek, it was the middle of, I mean, it was daylight. The sun was shining in. It was September, October. I was 11 years old. I know what I saw. It was sunny out. I saw this thing. I buried my head in the pillow. I saw it again. It wasn't going anywhere until I confronted it. And I did. Uh, until this day, I've been a paranormal black hole. Nothing has happened to me since then. And I think it's because I confronted this thing. I really do. Since then, I, I, I've gotten my master's degree in theology. Uh, I am a demonologist. Uh, I've been on several different podcasts. Um, and uh, I've actually started a podcast of my own called The Fallen Ones. Um, it's only one episode so far. Very hard to start a podcast. Anyway, I hope you have time to share this story. I really do, because I've never heard anything like this before. Anyway, my friend, uh, I've been listening to your show from the beginning. I absolutely love it, and I love you. Thanks for all the good work, my friend. You are the best. I love you. John from Rhode Island. Take care. Wow. Thank you, John, for submitting that tale. Now, I don't know what John's age is, um, but he did mention at some point, and I don't know if it was in the call that made it to air, uh, he's tried this call several times, believe it or not, and I'll touch on that here in a moment, uh, but he did mention that he used to watch Unsolved Mysteries with his dad as a kid, which would make him, in my opinion, close to my age, which <laughs> I'll say I'm pushing 40 here. So basically I say all that to say this. Gremlins was a huge movie in 1984, I believe. And um, is it possible that that uh, John simply saw Gremlins and he had a memory stuck in his head and somehow that manifested one morning while he was sleep-deprived and maybe falling off to sleep. Now, that sounds like a logical thing, but he mentioned that he buried his head in the pillow for a moment, turned back around, it was still there. And in my opinion, that certainly lends credence to the fact that maybe there was actually something there. Typically, when you break gaze with something that you're not sure what you're looking at and uh, refocus, it, you see it in a different light or... Uh, you know, if it was a pile of laundry or something, you would most likely look at it the second time as, oh, well, it's obviously a pile of laundry. Uh, and I should also add that it's pretty difficult to mistake any pile of laundry for a smiling gremlin, especially in the daylight hours. 
Now, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, John attempted to call this story in several months ago. In fact, I think it was almost a year ago. And uh, it was quite possibly the most degraded call I've ever received in three years of doing this. Uh, I'm actually going to play a sample of this right now, just so you can kind of hear how bad this call was. Check this out. This is crazy. Hey, Derek. John again from Rhode Island. Uh, for some reason, my phone cut out on me. I'm assuming you can edit this out. Uh, but I'm going to start again. And, if and that was the case with each of the calls he tried to make. And I'll be perfectly honest, the call that actually went through was not the highest of quality. And as John mentioned, he's calling from Rhode Island, so he's not exactly calling from the wilds of Alaska or Montana or something. So uh, I just thought it was kind of weird, especially since I use the, uh, I guess, joke that uh, if something goes wrong electronically, I always blame the gremlins. Uh, so I thought that was a bit ironic that in this particular case, the gremlins seemed to have uh, shut John down and visited his mother's bedroom. And the final thing I'm going to say here is that uh, I highly recommend checking out John's podcast, The Fallen Ones. Uh, I'm going to post a link in the show notes for tonight's episode uh, to go ahead and check that out. I've heard him on several programs, and he's got some knowledge. He, uh, he certainly does. So, John, thank you so much for calling in. Truly appreciate you as well. Thank you again, and looking forward to hearing any other stories that you may have uh, floating around in that noggin of yours. Uh, thanks again, John. Our next call of the evening is going to sound a little bit familiar. The following is Josh's call from Florida. Hi, Derek. This is Josh from Florida. So you've been you've shared a couple of my encounters or non-encounters before, and I intend to get back to those in chronological order any time now. Just try to decide if I should write them or call, because you have a great voice for radio, and mine sticks on ice. It's a sad fact that my memories sound better coming out of your mouth than mine. But, as I was going through my backlog of episodes, I believe it was season 5, episode 7, there was a caller that I just had to respond to, and I believe his name was Tim, and he was from Phoenix, and he lived in a trailer. No, he had a trailer with an extra bedroom. He lived in with his brothers. And he had an encounter that has happened to me. And no one else I've ever talked to. That is, he mentioned waking up one morning with dry blood on his hands. No explanation for how he got there. Um, so, you're not alone, buddy. So, when... Uh, as soon as I graduated high school, my parents sold the house and got an RV and decided to live around the country that way. But I was going to college, so I stayed home with my grandparents. And uh, the summer before I was going to start college, I decided to go visit my parents. So I grabbed my girlfriend at the time, and we took the big great dog out to Taos, New Mexico. And my parents were staying on the San Juan Mountain Pass there outside Taos at a campground. And as you might imagine, four people in an RV is too much. So we had a tent. We lived in a camp campsite next to them. I'd say about three nights into our visit, I woke up exactly as that color it said, with dried blood on the palms of my hands and no idea how I got there. I wasn't too worried about it at first because strange thing happened. I uh, 
washed it off and went on my business. But three nights later, it happened again. Um, I looked around and there was no blood on the pillows or the blankets or on me or on my girl, girlfriend. Didn't seem to be any on the tent. So this was increasingly disturbing. And when it happened again two nights later, I was awfully disturbed. Now, we had been staying at a campsite at the very end of the campground, kind of in a little peninsula that jutted out past the creeks. So nobody could camp next to us. But after this, I decided to move our campsite into the community spots um, right between two other people. And at this point, I even talked to my neighbors there and recruited them to ask them to watch me and see if I left a tent. Um, besides a couple of bathroom breaks, which I do remember, no one ever reported me leaving the tent at night, like sleepwalking or anything. Um, I, we stayed there almost the entire summer, and I would have to say this dried blood on the hands thing happened eight or nine times. <laughs> I never did find an explanation for it, and after we went back home and I started school, it's never happened since in the entirety of my life. It never happened before that. So it is a mystery. I'm at a loss to explain it. Unless I have spontaneous stigmata that's very localized. But, yeah, so I can't explain it, but you're not alone out there. And if anybody else has had that happen, I would love to hear about it. So, thanks, Derek. Keep up the great work, and bye. Thank you, Josh. Now, I should mention off the top that I always want to hear these calls in the experiencer's voice. Now, of course, we'll take them any way we can get them, if that's written or third-hand or second-hand or whatever that happens to be, but given the choice, I will always take it in the witness's voice for many reasons, but the most popular, the most important for me is the communication that you get from it. You not only get uh, the information from the story, but you get uh, emotion with it. You get uh, a sense of fear or nervousness or uh, confusion or, you know, whatever emotion happens to come with the story, I feel like that adds uh, a completely different element to most of these tales. So anytime I can get the story in the witness's voice, I 100% go for that. Now, as for the story, my first question I have, and that goes back to the original submission, how do you know that it was blood and not some other dried substance, uh, Kool-Aid or, or uh, paint or, you know, who knows what? Uh, how do you know for a fact that it was blood? You know, I'm obviously not questioning you. I'm just wondering in my head, you know, what was the determination that uh, led to it being blood? Uh, and then the second thing I, I have is, is could this blood be coming from somebody else or something else? Was there a dog in the tent or, uh, you know, something strange like that? Or was there something on some shoes or a blanket or something like that? You know, that's also something that I'd like to uh, get to the bottom of. Uh, either way, I really appreciate the call, Josh, and it's uh, strange to know that, that the original caller wasn't the only one to experience something so odd like this. It almost makes me wonder if this is a phenomenon that's going on that most people aren't aware of that it's even happening. So maybe uh, if someone else out there has experienced this, certainly, you know, ring our bell and let us know. Uh, we'll uh, follow up on that. So thank you again, Josh. I truly appreciate you taking the time. Now, before I play the final call of the evening... 
I think it's important to touch on some of these announcements that I've been ignoring for the past couple episodes. So bear with me for a quick moment while I go over just a few of these. Rate and review the show. You guys are doing awesome. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not dogging on you whatsoever, but the more ratings and reviews we get, the more the show grows, the more calls we get, the more fun this becomes. So if you haven't yet done so, or if your spouse hasn't yet done so, or if you can make up a fake name, whatever it takes, leave me a five-star rating and a quick couple words about why it is you like the show. And I read every single one of these, and I should add that uh, thanks to Mark Stores of Cryptonaut Podcast, I recently discovered a way to... Uh, read the reviews from other countries. So the other day I sat down for a couple hours and read every single review from every country that submitted them. And I, I just wanted to say a quick thank you to all of those fine people that took the time to leave those reviews. I truly, truly appreciate that. But if everyone else listening, I know there's a lot of you out there, so uh, take the time and uh, submit a review on uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, or just go to Facebook and, and share the show with uh, friends on your wall, whatever it takes to uh, to spread the word. And while you're at it, be sure to follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget that there is a Facebook group where there's tons and tons of interaction going on. So, uh, you know, if you're on Facebook and you like this kind of thing, uh, check it out. You may you may find something there you like. Don't forget about Cryptid Crate. The holidays are coming up, and this makes a perfect gift for any Cryptid fan. There's a $20 level and a $40 level. You get a box every month, and uh, it's super easy. So go to www.cryptocrate.com and pick up your crate today. And lastly, I think it's been quite a while since I mentioned this, but I'm always looking for calls. And I may have a few hundred in my bank, but you may have the call that's perfect for this episode. So I encourage each and every one of you to call in. The hotline is 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can submit your story via the Submit Your Story tab on the website, which is monstersamonguspodcast.com. In addition, you can also email me any submission at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it for announcements, so so I have one final call for the evening. And I couldn't do a show without involving some sort of cryptid. After all, that is my bag. So the following call comes to us from Cat in Michigan. Hi, Derek. This is Kat calling again from Michigan. I was kind of hesitant to tell this story just because, you know, in the past I've gotten some ridicule for it and, you know, just laughed off. I have shared the story with a Graveyard Tales podcast on a listener stories episode, so in case anyone recognizes my voice or the story, that's why. But anyway, I've been catching up with the podcast and season three, episode 13, Tara's story. I had a very very similar encounter to hers and I had to call in. So my dad's family is from uh, West Virginia and growing up a lot of times it's been a month of my summer vacation in West Virginia and they had about an acre of private property so I mean it was really private and secluded so they didn't keep window curtains on all the windows they would have just like a valance like in the dining room and in the living room. And anyway this happened when I was about nine or ten years old so this was in 95 or 96 in West Virginia, and we would do like vacation Bible school or little deaf summer school type things. Anyway, playing a game with some kids, and a kid fell on my ankle and sprained it. So I had to stay off my ankle for a week, and I was on crutches. So my papa got me set up in the living room so I could sleep on the recliner to keep my you know leg propped up and so I wouldn't have to climb up into the bed. And anyone that has ever 
tried to sleep with, you know, a sprained or broken bone. Like, it's very hard to get to sleep. So I was laying in the recliner, and I was just tossing and turning, trying to get comfortable with my sprained ankle. And so, I mean, I was wide awake when this happened. And so, oh, yeah, let me back up a little bit. But the um, they lived in a trailer, and the distance from the ground to the window was about six feet because like when my uncle would walk by I'd see maybe you know kind of top his head bit of his forehead and he was about six feet tall but so I'm tossing and turning a lot trying to get comfortable and when I roll over on my side I look into the dining room window and there are these two glowing red eyes staring at me and I was further apart than uh, Tara was, so I mean, I didn't get that close of a look, but they were glowing red eyes, and they were definitely looking at me, and it was very close to the window, like it was up against the window, and this thing was at least seven feet tall for its eyes to be at the level it was. It could have been eight feet. I was, you know, kind of young when this happened, but it was really dark, and it was very quiet, and this was late in the night I don't know what time of night this was because I had been just tossing and turning a lot everyone had already long gone to bed but the really scary thing about this is how quiet everything was because when you're out in the country like that there's always crickets and frogs and ambient noise and my grandmother's dog would bark at anything she was one of those sorts of dogs like you come to the door anybody walks by just bark 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 like no noise in this thing it's just staring at me and there was no ledge for an owl to perch on because I've gotten told, oh, it's just an owl. Oh, ha ha, you're scared of an owl, <laughs> you know. And this thing was watching me. And so I reacted like any kid would. I pulled the blanket over my head and, you know, I just kind of hoped it would go away. And I peeked out and it's still watching me. And like, you, you definitely had the feeling they were eyes and you were being looked at, you were being watched. And it was very close to the window. And I just continued on just for hours. I would, you know, cover up my head. Then I would just peek out, and it was still watching me. It never moved. It never changed position or anything. It just it stared at me all night, and eventually I fell asleep with the blanket over my head, just, you know, out of exhaustion. And there were, like, no trees, like, no windowsill or anything for it to balance on. And there was, it was really dark. I couldn't, all I saw were the eyes. It was very dark there they had some they had like you know like the torch light and things they had some road reflectors towards the front of the house not in the back by the dining room and there's no way that would have reflected and I never saw the eyes again for the week that I spent sleeping in the living room just that one night that I saw that and staring at me and I you know it's hard to share I finally finally getting you know an audience that's going to be receptive and that I can actually talk about this kind of thing without being, you know, ashamed or laughed at, but it was terrifying. You know, when later on, I just kind of put in the back of my mind, you know, I've always been interested in unsolved mysteries and cryptids and the paranormal and things like that, ever since growing up watching unsolved mysteries. But I kind of just shuffled this in the back of my mind until years later when I read about the Mothman and this occurred in West Virginia. Now, my, they don't own this property anymore. They had to sell it after my grandfather passed away. So there's no way of me getting back there. I'm not going to say specifically where it was at. You know, most of it's all private property, really far up in the hills. But I will say that it is approximately two hours north of Point Pleasant. And so, I mean, I kind of wonder if I may have had a Mothman encounter. And 
anyway, I guess that's about it. But after I heard her story, I had to say that you're not alone. I've seen something very similar too, and it still terrifies me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, keep up the good work. I love the show. I've got a couple more stories. This is probably like my biggest one and kind of the hardest to share. But you know, thank you for giving us a platform to share our stories with. And um, yeah, uh, keep up the good work. Uh, I'll call in some other time with more stories when I get up the courage. Uh, bye. Thank you, Kat. Now, before we get started, I want to encourage everyone to go check out Graveyard Tales. The guys over there put together quite the program. Now, as for Kat's sighting, something strange happened to me just last night that correlates very well with this call. You see, I have a game room in my cabin. All my favorite sports teams are represented at foosball, darts, and bubble hockey. My fiancé and I sometimes hang out in there, play some darts, listen to some music, and last night was no different. As I was standing there waiting for my turn, I looked out the window to see two bright red eyes staring back at me. Now this gave me quite a start considering that my window is at least 25 feet off the ground. After some investigation, I realized that it was simply a reflection from behind me of an indicator light that was lit up red on my television. The dual pane of glass doubled the reflection, creating the two equally spaced eyes. I'm wondering if that's actually what happened to Cat. Perhaps as she woke up to look out the window, there was a red indicator light from behind her, and due to the dual pane of glass, it also reflected twice, making it appear that there was a set of eyes staring back at her. This could explain why the creature never seemed to leave, and it could explain for the height. Now, of course, it goes without saying that West Virginia is infamous, not only for the Mothman, but for several strange cryptid creatures. So it goes without saying that there's always a possibility that there was something else visiting her that evening. Thank you again, Kat, for taking the time to share this story. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Addie Lloyd and Warren Pawn Abbott. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And music for this episode was brought to you by Mayu and Coag Music. As a little added bonus, tonight's outro music was written and recorded by a listener, an anonymous listener. So uh, if you like this, be sure to at least mention it on the Facebook page so that he can maybe see it. Uh, thank you for submitting that music, by the way. So, thank you for listening, and until next week. with an invitation to experience Lexus. To get behind the wheel. To go out on the open road. To feel a rush of adrenaline. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes an exhilarating experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event 
your invitation is always open, but the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.